Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Well, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and welcome back to another edition of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond so derek how has your week been i've been working for pretty much all of it (laughs) um (laughs) no we're as we're recording this we're recording it on sunday evening i'm a little over halfway through a 10 game stretch uh working with the blue wahoos when you're hearing it the day it comes out um, it'll be, I think I'll have two games left, but you can definitely tell that it's kind of taking its toll on everybody because, you know, when you work 12 to 13 hour days consecutively, I mean, even five games can be tough, but when you have to basically do it two times in a row, yeah, you know, it, it, it makes sleep very, very valuable, <laughs> but I mean, that's really all I've been doing It's all I've really had time to do. Um, I did purchase Cuphead, which I know you did as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I'm hoping to do that uh, later on this week and into the weekend um, after I figure out you know, what I'm going to review for, uh, for next week's show. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I've been working a lot, too, the last three weeks. I've been working 10 to 12-hour days and working Saturdays. This is uh, one of the first weekends I've had off where I didn't have to work on Saturday, so I've just been enjoying my weekend, and uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday and you're like, well, what happened to the live show? We didn't have it this week because we're recording this on Sunday, so sorry about that, and uh, we'll be back to our regular schedule next week for for two weeks in a row, and then we have to figure out uh, (laughs) towards the end of June what night we're going to record because Derek's back on the, uh, the weird schedule thing again. 
Yeah, that's uh, it's crazy to think though the the season's almost halfway over. I know. I mean, early, I think June sixteenth, two weeks from today, is uh, the halfway point. So it's it seemed it seemed like a long season, you know, but it's actually kind of flown by when you really think about it. I so. can't believe it's June already, man. This year is yeah. already a halfway over. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, it's it's true because someone told me, you know, back when I was in high school, because that was when I first really started to notice it was my senior year of high school. You know, someone who was several years older than me said, as you get older, you'll notice that time goes by much quicker. Mm-hmm. And year, I've, I've definitely noticed that. This year has definitely gone by way too quick. It has. And it's. I will say so far 2019 is definitely better than 2018. Uh, yeah, so far, uh, it, it, this has been, um, I mean, the, the, it was a little rough beginning to the year for me, uh, as everybody knows, I've been going through some life changes and, um, things are actually getting much, much better. So hopefully 2020 will be a much more awesome year. Hopefully you'll have clear vision throughout it. I hope so, <laughs> 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 but, uh, but I'm ready to go into the news. How about you? Yeah, I think that really bad joke was a great segue into it. <laughs> All right, here we go. From GameFragger.com, Sonic the Hedgehog star Ben Schwartz teases that the character's redesign will be more faithful to the game. Uh, ben Schwartz, who is the voice actor of the Speedster, uh, recently took to social media to tease that the character's redesign will feature his iconic gloves. Um, <laughs> it says in the article that when the first trailer for Paramount's Sonic the Hedgehog dropped, it was immediately met with immense amount of backlash. Yeah, you can say that again. Uh, because of that backlash, that they have gone back to do a redesign on Sonic the Hedgehog, and they have pushed back the movie until February. Um, uh, and people are kind of were kind of saying, you know, like, oh, it's been pushed back like to the next year. Like it has, it's not a year. It's only pushed back like three months. So it's actually not that bad. Um, but he's actually going to be wearing the iconic glove, white gloves, coming to your movie screens on two fourteen twenty. So February fourteenth, two thousand twenty, and he will be wearing his uh. His big white gloves in the movie. Sounds like the perfect Valentine's Day gift. Yeah, it does. I, I, <laughs> I, I honestly, I've heard a lot of people talking about that this is actually, uh, this whole thing was orchestrated. Like, they knew that the design of Sonic was going to be, uh, have a backlash. So, and they were preparing to have a different design for Sonic. So they kind of did this whole thing to, to orchestrate basically getting more interest for the movie because a lot more people are probably going to go watch the movie now. They probably weren't even aware of it before all this happened. Yeah, I mean, that whole story is very strange to me. And the whole thing really from the beginning, the fact that there was such an outcry, if, if we're taking it, just at face value, the pure backlash that this got caused the studio to change Sonic's look. But yeah. I said it a couple of weeks ago on our last show, or it might have been the one before that. Just because you're redesigning Sonic to make him look more accurate to the games, 
you've still got the same story. You've still got the same acting. Yeah. My biggest issue was not Sonic's look in that trailer. My issue with it is that it looked like it was something that was made in 1995. Yeah. With an awful plot, with not very good acting, which is a shame because, you know, Jim Carrey, we all know how great Jim Carrey is. And I even like James Marsden. And so I don't know. I don't know how to take it. I mean, I'm still going to see it. But at the same time, I, it's not really going to change my ex- expectations other than, oh, Sonic looks more accurate than, you know, to what he does in the games. Yeah, I'm just, I'm with you. I just think it looked uh, very 90s. Like it had that 90s vibe to it. Like it's not going to be very good. I just, you know. I have a feeling, and this is actually perfect timing because if we do the Defending Bad Movies panel at Pensacon again next Ooh. year. <laughs> I can guarantee you that this will be on my list. Let's do that. We have when the, well, we got to see it now. <clears throat> yeah, and it'll no, be I, fresh on everyone's minds. Oh, that'll be great because I think I think Pensacon is leap year weekend. Mm-hmm. So it's it'll be two to three weeks after this comes out. So yeah, it'll still be fresh in everyone's mind. What are we gonna do if it actually turns out to be really good? I will be more than happy to be wrong if this turns out to be really good because you know I I've made it you know no secret that I love the Sonic games I like the Sonic character I like a lot of the other characters in that franchise I I just don't know I mean I if we, if we take the the alleged you know this was kind of planned for them to redesign it and release it later on you know it's it's kind of cool in a way that the fans outcry made the change yeah which you, you could look at it you know the the debate when you get into that we could do on a whole separate podcast yeah because we also on, on that kind of really sets cool, a, that sets a dangerous precedent too yeah because then it shows that you know fans can if they complain loud enough that they'll change it to whatever they want exactly but. We'll we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm curious to see when they're going to release another trailer with the updated design. Um, I would say I I think we'll probably see something by August, September-ish, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, late summer, early fall. I think would be yeah would be pretty accurate. I mean, we'll definitely have a trailer before uh, some of the. Christmas movies that are going to be coming out, like Star Wars and things like that. So I think we'll probably get some trailers by then, at least. Yeah, absolutely. But for the bad movies panel, we'll have to have this sound clip ready to go. You blow it! (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So the second story, I've actually been really excited to talk about this because... It delves into a uh, game that never saw the light of day that I really, really wanted to happen. This is from NintendoLife.com. Former Rare developer shares new details about Conker's canceled sequel. Conker's Bad Fur Day designer Chris Saver has once again taken to Twitter to share new details about the sequel that never saw the light of day. Well before the open-world multiplayer game Sea of Thieves... Rare had plans for a direct follow-up to Conker's original and mature-themed outing on the Nintendo 64. According to the design documents, Conker's Other Bad Day was meant to pick up from where the first game ended. The idea was to divide it into four separate parts, 
with three subplots and a storyline concerning Barry, who is Conker's girlfriend. Um, so basically, it delves into kind of a treatment of what the story of the game would be, um, some of the character designs, and really where the story was going to go, uh, which I thought was really cool because this game, it was great, but I felt like it was released at a very bad time because it was the last big game for the Nintendo 64. You know, this came out in early 2001, and then the GameCube came out, I think, uh, later on that year in the fall or around the winter time yeah. um, before Christmas. So it set itself up perfectly for a sequel, and it was, you know, the sequel was announced, but then it, it just never happened. And I love the like the um, the actual synopsis <clears throat> for the sequel. You kind of get to look at what these story synopsis kind of look like behind the scenes because you've got like character models and stuff on the actual pages, um, some sketches, things like that. And it, the look of the character models and some of the stuff on here is very kind of '90s Disney-ish, if the, that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's probably a pipe dream, but if this were to ever happen, I would like this would be a day one purchase for me. Hmm. Even worst case scenario, I wish they would do kind of a remastered version. I mean, they did it for the original Xbox. They called it Conquer Live and Reloaded. If they were to do like an updated version and put it, you know, on you know, whatever, it would it might be something that caused me to get an Xbox. Yeah. Because I think Rare still works exclusively with Microsoft, which I still say is one of the worst moves that hmm. ever happened in the history of gaming because the perfect marriage was Rare and Nintendo. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've made it no secret that I'm a huge fan of Rare's classic games for the Super Nintendo and into the Nintendo 64. It's it's cool to see in a way, but then it's also kind of a shame because you think what could have happened because... You know, the storyline synopsis, and I won't, you know, go into the entire thing, but it's very layered, very detailed, and it's very unique from the first game, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. I don't know. You never know what will happen in the future. Maybe uh, maybe they will pull this out of the woodwork and actually do a sequel, um, even if it is on just the Xbox. I mean, that would still be pretty... It was, that'd still be pretty sweet, you know, to have this... Because uh, this seems like a franchise that could have moved forward, you know, like it, it kind of never got the the, sec, the, uh, the continuation that it deserved. Yeah, because it, it had a cult following back in the day and it kind of revitalized it a little bit during the original Xbox re-release. Yeah, it was a great game. But at the same time, when you think of Nintendo, you think of you know, the family-friendly type of games. Because I remember when the first trailer for this came out, it looked very similar to Banjo-Kazooie. And I was just kind of meh on it because Conker was introduced in Diddy Kong Racing for the N64, which was also where Banjo from Banjo and Kazooie was introduced. Oh, yeah. And then a new trailer came out for Conker months after, and it had very much like a, a South Park-type feel to it. And I was <laughs> like, holy crap. And it looked really funny. And it's a crude game, but I still find it to be really funny with all the pop culture references. And it has very intelligent humor in it, which I think is really cool. But 
like you said, who knows what will happen. Yeah, it seems like something rare really should just dust off and bring back. Oh, I'd love it. I would absolutely love it. But uh, now it's time to go into uh, this month in video game history. On June 10th of 1977, Apple Computers releases the Apple II. I didn't know it came out that early. Yeah, I didn't either. I thought Apple was like mid-80s. Well, I knew they had the um, original Apples out in the 70s, but I thought the Apple II came out in, er- in the early 80s. I didn't know it, was, it, it had come out in 77 because these things had must have had a long life. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. That's shocking. I know. It's kind of crazy. I would love to have a 70s or 80s computer just to have it for the look of it. Oh, dude. Because I, I love the look of that old technology. You look at this Apple II on the uh, the Wikipedia page, the actual picture of the Apple II, like that is exactly like that. I can still smell the, the computer lab when I was in like third grade and fourth grade. Oh, yeah looking at this thing like I, I as soon as i look at it i can picture every minute detail of that room when i was a kid that's awesome wow this thing was the introductory price for it was $1298 equivalent to get this $5367 in 2018 yeah that's um I'll just say I could not afford that. Yeah, yeah, and we had like ten of them in that class, so that was like easily uh, equivalent to like fifty, sixty thousand dollars at the time. Crazy. That's wild. That's really wild. On June of 1981, Ultima is released, beginning a successful computer role-playing game series. Still around today. Yep, I feel like. Every two to three weeks, we talk about Ultima. Yeah, they've released like a game every six months, I think. But I mean, you got to give it credit. There's so many games for it, which means people still love to play them. Oh, yeah. And I can tell you right now, there's easily uh, uh, tens of thousands of people still playing Ultima online as we speak. That's mind-blowing. Also, in June of 1985, the Atari Corporation releases the 520ST, the first personal computer with a bitmapped color GUI. Now, this sounds like something I need to have just to have. Like, look at this beauty. That thing looks like it has that complete 1980s, like, space age look to it. I love the mouse. Yeah. Oh, that! look at that keyboard, man. Everything's so kind of like rounded and smooth, but it has like that weird kind of like gunmetal gray shine to it. Like, oh, it's so gorgeous. Yeah, it's very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, it is. Even though it's a piece of old technology. (laughs) I would love to have one of these. With a color monitor at the time would be be $999.99 at the time. That's... Oh, at the time? Yeah, I mean, when you compare it to the Apple II, it kind of sounds about right. It had a a whole 512 kilobyte memory. And to think of today's standards. Upgradable to 4 megabytes. <laughs> oh, wow. Big spender. Wow. 
On June 3, 1986, Nintendo releases Super Mario Bros. The Lost Levels as the sequel to Super Mario Bros. The game was not released in North America, partially because it was deemed too difficult. And so we talked about it before. They took, uh, was it Doki Doki Panic? Yeah. And turned it into Super Mario Bros. 2, or is known in Japan, <sighs> Mario Bros. USA. How do you feel about Super Mario Bros. The Lost Levels? I do not like it at all. No, I mean... Honestly, going back and playing all the old Marios, I'd have to put the original as my least favorite. Yeah, I think so I, too. I mean, it's now, it's great. Don't get me wrong. Like that was one of the first NES games that I ever played, so it's got kind of that nostalgia to it. But at the same time, like I, I'd rather play two, three, or Super Mario World. No, I agree 100%. You know, I, you got to give Mario Brothers 1 the credit because it's what started everything. But when you go back and play it, it I don't want to say it's awful in comparison, but to me, the sequels are so much better. You know what I mean? 2 yeah. is different than 3 and Mario World. But, yeah, I don't know. And, and But going back to Lost Levels, you know, I remember playing it for Mario Brothers All-Stars when it came out for Super Nintendo, and... I just couldn't get into it like I could the other ones, even yeah, the original either. one. So, I mean, it was cool to play just because it was something that, you know, had made it over to the States for the first time. But, yeah, I, I much prefer the Mario sequels to the original and to Lost Levels. Yeah, I think what it is about the original Super Mario Brothers is it felt so good to play. Like, it was the first time we played something where that kind of the physics of the game and the actual controls of the game. Like it just felt good to play, <clears throat> you know, and the yeah. controls were easy and it, it's, it's one of those games that's easy to learn, hard to master that type of thing. But it just, it's not as uh, visually pleasing as the other games. I mean, you look at the jump in graphics from the first Super Mario brothers to Super Mario brothers two. I mean, Super Mario brothers two still to this day is one of the most beautiful games for the Nintendo. At least I think so. No, and I, I don't disagree with you on that. Yeah, the the quality increase in graphics from, you know, one to two and even two to three and so on and so forth. Like the basis is there, but definitely the biggest jump is between one and two. Oh yeah, definitely. Let's see. Uh, you're up next. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, on June 1st of 1990, <clears throat> Origin releases Ultima 4, The False Prophet. Another Ultima It game. is uh, the sixth part in the role-playing video game series of Ultima. We should play one of the Ultima games. I would actually like point. to. I, I know they do have Ultima games for uh, the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Let me... Look that up real quick. Ultima Nintendo. Let me just. Well, you know, here. something we could do because I know later in the year we're going to review the Knights of the Old Republic games. You should do an Ultima game and then I can do one as well. Just so we have more than one to go off of. Oh, yeah. Uh, it says here, um, let's see. Uh, there was Ultima Exodus. For the NES, which I remember the cover of this game. I've seen this game a lot. Yeah, I recognize it as well. Yeah, Ultima. Um, I'm trying to read the name of this. Um, Quest of the Avatar. 
Um, how many Ultima games did they make for the NES? Let's see, there's Quest of the Avatar, uh, Ultima Exodus, uh, also Ultima the Black Gate for the Super NES. Um, there's another one here. Um, the False Prophet. Wow, they put out a lot of Ultima games for Nintendo, uh, Nintendo and Super Nintendo. So I, I think we would actually be able to play some of these fairly easily. No, I definitely think we should, you know, at some point later on in the year. Yeah. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's see. Also in June of 1990, Adventures in the Magic Kingdom was released. It's a video game for the NES. Its soundtrack was composed by Yoko Shimomura. The game was released in five different regions, the British Isles, North America, France, Scandinavia, and Australia, using three different retail covers. I did not know that. I always wanted to play this game, but I never did. Let's see. The cover just looks cool. Especially being a Capcom game. Like I would have played anything Capcom back in the day. This just makes me want to go to Disney World. It does. Like Just looking at that cover, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I want to go to Disney. That's yeah. a that is a great game cover. <laughs> like it, it just looks cool. Not only would it sell video games, it would sell family vacations. It would. <laughs> <laughs> also, another game from Disney that was released uh, in 1990 was Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It was a platformer video game developed and published by Capcom, based on the Disney animated series of the same name. Originally released for the NES in, J- in Japan and North America in 1990, came to Europe the next year and was ported to the Nintendo PlayChoice 10 arcade system. It sold approximately 1.2 million copies worldwide. I love Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I think it's a great platformer. Um, I would I, th- I want to do a review of this one of these days. I've actually never played Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It's pretty good. Um I mean, it's not. Is it as good as uh, Ducktales? No, but it's definitely better than uh, Tailspin. And yeah, Mickey Mouse Capade. Mickey Mouse Capade is not a great game. I, I've actually thought about reviewing that a couple of times because I have it, but it is not fun to play at all. It's interesting because I didn't play too many of the like Disney themed games back during that time. 
Uh, I was one a that, huge nerd for those those shows back in the day. Like I remember those afternoon blocks of Ducktales, oh, yeah. Chippendales, Rescue Rangers, uh, Darkwing Duck. Like I was so into those cartoons back when I was a kid. Well, you know the the new Ducktales that's been out for I think two years now. They're actually bringing in Darkwing Duck for an episode. I know, I saw that. I've been trying to catch up on that. I saw like half of the first season and then kind of got sidetracked and haven't gone back to it yet. I love the art style for it, and uh, Scrooge McDuck is um uh crap. What's his name? Played it was David Dr. Tennant. David Tennant. Like I love it. I love everything about it. Yeah, he was an amazing choice for that. I, I haven't. I've watched bits and pieces of the new show, uh, but not enough to really form an opinion on it. Yeah. But I know one game that I am considering for for my review next week is actually a, a Disney game. So I'm I'm gonna go ahead and make my decision at the end of the show, just so I have something to commit to. I've would it narrowed it down Aladdin? to like three or four different things. <laughs> hmm? I said, would it be Aladdin? It's one of my possibilities. Oh, okay. Which, which I did. Have you seen the the new Aladdin? No, I have not. I've heard nothing but good things about it, though. Even Wally liked it. Surprisingly, very, very good. Huh. I, I was very concerned about it because I didn't know what to think of you know Will Smith being cast as the genie. But it's it's actually I won't spoil anything that really happens because there are things about it that are different from the animated version. But you will not be disappointed. It was I'll, very fun. I'll definitely see it, but I'll probably just wait for it to come out uh, for rental. Yeah, no, that's that's understandable. But and to close one, us out on this month in video game history, Earthbound, known as Mother 2 in Japan, is a role-playing video game developed by Ape Inc. and HAL Laboratory and published by Nintendo for the SNES. The second entry in the Mother series, it was first released in Japan in August of 1994, and in North America in June 1995, as Ness and his party of four, the player travels the world to collect eight melodies in order to defeat the evil alien force, Gaijas. Yeah, I made sure that uh, I staggered these so that you get Earthbound, because I know how much you love that game. <laughs> well, I, I do appreciate that. No, it's it's top five favorite SNES game for me. I think it's... As far as like RPGs go, it's definitely my favorite, and I've said it numerous times, but you know I'll say it again. It has that right amount of quirkiness and intelligent humor in it. Uh, the characters are great. Um, it's a it's a long game, but it's very fun throughout, and you have a nice variety of locations in it as well. So. I think you feel about Earthbound the way I feel about Star Tropics because somebody was on uh, Twitter the other day and put up a uh, a question: if you could bring back one game franchise uh and renew it what what would you pick and i and without even thinking about it i said star tropics yeah i mean star tropics is great too from you know what little i've played of it but yeah earthbound earthbound was great and I, I i've been it. wanting to play it i have a rom of the, of earthbound i just never i started playing it a little bit but uh, i just don't really have the time to kind of delve into cool rpgs like that anymore well, that's the thing about it is that I can't really commit to a long game unless it's you know during the fall or the winter because otherwise I have no time to dive into it. Yeah, it was like I was telling you earlier before we started the the show. I actually picked up Res, uh, Resident Evil, um, Re Red Dead Redemption Two, yesterday for the PS4, 
And I'm probably going to be sucked into that for the next month and a half, probably. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my, my next uh, review is probably going to have to be something short. No, no, it's, it's it's all good. No, I've I've heard nothing but great things about Red Dead Redemption Two. I know the first one was fantastic, and I can imagine that the second one is got to be at least just as good. Man, I love the first one so much, and that Undead, uh, the Undead expansion was so good. And yeah. I, I started playing Red Dead Two, and it immediately took me back into that world. And I was like, oh yeah, this is like like slipping on a, an old pair of socks. <laughs> love it. But uh, but speaking of my review, I get to review something tonight. And tonight, I'm going to be talking about... Asjinax, known uh, in Japan as the Lord of King, is a side-scrolling action game developed by ICOM, released for the arcades by Jalico, uh, or Jalico, however you uh, pronounce that uh, these days. Uh, I always pronounced it Jalico. Uh, a home version for the NES, simply titled Asjinax, was released during the same time as the arcade version. Now, I'll admit I have never, ever played the arcade version of this game. I have only played the NES version. And the first thing that really struck me about this game um, when I, because I never played this game as a kid. It was always one of those games that, like, the, the, the cover art was always kind of cool, but it was just kind of one of those games that you really didn't hear much about. At least I didn't. And it always looked cool, like the actual gameplay pictures I would see of it. But it was just one of those games I never really picked up. And I picked this up a couple of years ago at a flea market for like just a couple of bucks and, and put it into the Nintendo. And one of the first things that struck me about this game was is the, the sprites, the size of the sprites in this game. They're really big. And it's that wasn't something you really saw on the Nintendo back in the day. It was like really big sprites and like, you know, really big on the screen and lots of colors. And this game looks great. There's not really much I can say bad about it other than the actual the game's kind of stiff like the uh the 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 controls which they're not bad you just kind of have to get used to it like the actual um uh hit detection like you have to be right up next to an enemy to be able to hit them that type of stuff your your player's really stiff when you jump, but if you're used to playing games like uh, like Castlevania, like I am, it it's not that bad. Like you get used to it pretty quickly. Um, but let's let's go into it. Uh, the arcade version of Astyanax is set in a fantasy world populated by mythical creatures from Greek and Arab mythology. The game consists of six stages: a forest, a cave, a lake, a lift, a castle, and the final battle. Up to two players can play simultaneously, with continues allowed at any moment. Now, the NES version, uh, you can only be one player at a time. Uh, and you have a life gauge, a strength gauge that fills automatically when you're not attacking, and a magic gauge for your spells, which is cool because like the, the actual magic that you use in the game really gets you out of some tough situations sometimes because there's a lot of 
times that you, there are enemies flying around the screen that you just you can't hit for shit. So you have to use your spells. And it's cool because you go through the game and you kind of bust open these um, these uh, vases or vases and stuff like that. And these little fairies will pop out and you can actually upgrade your, your spell power, your, your sword power and things like that. Um, and you can wield different weapons. Like you can have like a, your default is an axe, but you can get different, uh, you can get like a sword, things like that. You can get a spear, um, but they all kind of have different attack strengths. Uh, of course, you have your different spells that you can use. Like you have a, like a, a, a binding spell that temporarily freezes all your enemies, a fire blast spell that damages all enemies within range, a thunderbolt spell, and each spell consumes a different amount of the magic points, which it looks like you have a lot because it takes up the entire bottom of your screen, but you, you can only use it like three or four times because they take up so much of the actual magic. But um, but other than that, I actually really enjoyed playing this game. I didn't play it all the way through because, of course, this is one of those games that doesn't... It's cool because you don't get any continues, but you do. When you die, you just start over at the beginning of whatever level you're on. Um, but you don't get to have any sort of like a save or password system to be, kind of be able to go back to where you were. It's It's kind of one of those games where you have to... Um, where you have to play all the way through from the beginning. It's just that's just one of those games. So, any questions thus far? Well, looking at the Wikipedia page, I find it very interesting that the setup and the storyline for the arcade and the NES version seem to be pretty much completely different. Yeah, because with the arcade, you have like it actually takes place in a fantasy world, but in the NES version. You have basically a kid who mm -hmm. is transported into another dimension. So I, I'm yeah. I'm curious as to you know why they would do that, but I'm not sure. And the cool thing about the NES version is very anime looking, which is kind of it's kind of weird because you have this gameplay, like the actual gameplay itself is is very medieval, not medieval, but very greek mythology oriented like some of your bosses boss fights are like you fight uh, like medusa things like that and you kind of get these cutscenes that are very anime looking um but That's pretty cool but here's the thing it says for the uh, the, the plot of the nes version is Ashton X is a 16-year-old student from Greenview High School who has been having a recurring dream in which a young woman is calling out his name. One day, while on his way to class, he is suddenly transported into another dimension. Because, you know, that just happens all the time. Uh, he meets uh, the fairy Cutie, who explains that he is in the kingdom of Remlia, uh, a possible mistranslation of Lemuria, and has been summoned to rescue its ruler, Princess Rosebud, who is being held captive by the evil wizard Blackhorn. Armed with the legendary Axe Bash, Astyanax sets out on a journey to Blackhorn's lair with Cutie in order to rescue Rosebud. So it's kind—it's of, definitely different than the arcade version. The arcade version is more straight, sort of uh, mythology based, and the NES version has been, like you said, it was changed to make it more, I guess, modern uh, for modern game players. I'm—I'm I'm not really sure why. But it's still, like I said, the, the actual gameplay itself is very Greek mythology oriented, but it's the cutscenes that are kind of, 
you know, have that very anime style. Not yeah, not anime, but more like like manga, manga style. Yeah. No, that's the pl- change in plot to me is is very interesting. You know, it's they're both they both sound good in their own way. Uh, with the arcade version, I'm more drawn to that. I think because growing growing up, I remember going through a phase where I was obsessed with Greek mythology. You and me both. So, so I think dealing with that, like I would find that to be more intriguing. But the NES version sounds like a movie that would have been made in like the 80s. Yeah, and like you said, I actually wanted to talk about this, about how much I was into Greek mythology when I was a kid. And I actually even, I brought up the Ashton X Wikipedia page too to talk, kind of talk about the mythology of Ashton X because he was the son of Hector, the crown prince of Troy, and his wife, Princess Androm- Andromash of Cilicillian Thebe. Um, he was, uh, during the Trojan War, she hid the child in Hector's tomb but he was discovered, and his fate was debated by the Greeks, for if he were allowed to live, it was feared he would avenge his father and rebuild Troy. In the version given by the little Iliad and repeated by Pausanias, he was killed by a ne- ne- Neoptolemus, call- also called Pyrrhus, who threw the infant from the walls. Um, and another version is given, and uh, Odysseus kills Astyanax. But um, I was one of those weird kids that actually read all the Greek books <laughs> when I was a kid. Like I remember for my 12th grade uh, Christmas, I actually got uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey that year for Christmas. And I read both of them. I had a huge um, mythology book that I used to read. I think I wore out about four VHS copies of uh, <laughs> Clash of the Titans. Like I loved Greek mythology when I was a kid. And, like this game would have been totally up my alley if I'd have known what it was about at that time. Yeah, it makes me think back to my freshman year of college. I took uh, a Greek mythology class, um, and it delved into a little bit of Roman uh, mythology, too. Yeah. So just, you know, I remember hearing about it when I was a kid. I wasn't into it as much at that time as you were, but I know when I took that class, that was where it kind of, really sparked my interest in it. But what I would like to see is, like I said, the the game looks great. It plays kind of stiff. I would love to, I wish they would have made a Super Nintendo version of this game and actually made it a little more like the arcade version. Because looking at some of the screenshots of the arcade version, it looks like something that would have been on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like, uh, the... The thumbnail that's on uh, the Wikipedia page, you know, granted it is the arcade version, but it, it looks like something that would fit right in with the Super Nintendo. Absolutely. So, I, oh, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I was just going to say that, you know, I, I'm interested in more so the story of this game. Like, I know you, you've mentioned the gameplay and everything, but... You know, I'd love to at least watch some, like, watch a walkthrough of this because just the plot of it to me just sounds so interesting. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure you could probably look up uh, gameplay on YouTube and actually find like the cutscenes or something like that because it's got some pretty decent cutscenes in the game. I mean, they're not like full on, you know, animated or anything, but they're they're like um, they're a lot like uh, Ninja Gaiden. Those kind of cutscenes. 
if you know right. kind of what I mean. And like I said, I didn't finish the game. I only got about four levels in because uh, I didn't get a whole bunch of time to play it this last week. But from what I played, I really did enjoy. And like I, I really wish that I could play this with some sort of a save <laughs> file on it. That way I could just kind of leave it for a little while and come back and play through and just kind of finish it that way. Um, which means I'll probably have to find a ROM of it somewhere <clears throat> to be yeah. able to play the whole thing. But I really did enjoy it. And like I said, the cover art looks really cool. It 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 definitely looks nice in the collection. So if you're into collecting for the Nintendo, I think this is definitely one of those games that needs to be in the collection. I mean, if you like that kind of Castlevania-style uh, mythology, you know, like that style of gameplay, that's exactly what this is. I mean, I had so many memories of playing uh, Castlevania while playing this game, just because of the way kind of the the, the whole way the game plays. You know, kind of the, the the way the your main character plays kind of stiff, like that kind of thing, and just the whole aesthetic of the game. Like so, like I said, some of the boss fights you do are like Greek. Um, you know, Greek gods and things like that and, and different um, things throughout Greek mythology. Like, it has that total vibe to it. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And I'm looking at, I'm comparing, like, the the NES look to the arcade, and yeah, it, it does look different, but I still think the NES version, it, it looks good for that console. It does. I mean, it's very colorful. It's got a lot of... A lot of detail in it, especially the backgrounds and things like that. I was really surprised at and how good this game looks. No, that's cool. No, it, it sounds like a really fun game. I mean, I'm, I can't sit here and give it a, a a high grade because, like I said, I didn't actually get to finish the game. But from what I've played, I enjoyed it. So, you know, I'm going to give it at least a 7 out of 10. Um, and you should definitely good. pick it up just to have it in the collection. I think it's well worth having in any Nintendo collection. Like this is definitely one of those games you can just kind of pop in and play and have a good time with. The funny thing is, is that I had never even heard of this game until I saw it on your, um, I saw it on your Instagram that you were going to review it. And I was like, what in the world is this? And I, I briefly looked it up and you know, it just sounded really interesting. Well, I actually put it on the Patreon for this last week, um, I put up a poll on Patreon of what people would like for me to review. And I think I had this and uh, Disney's Tailspin and one other game. And I don't remember what I put up there, but it was overwhelming with Astyanax. Everybody wanted me to do that. And um, because everybody else seems to love this game, too. It's definitely one of the more underrated um, kind of quiet Nintendo games that not a lot of people talk about. That's actually really good. I think maybe I should do a poll. You should uh, let the let the listeners decide. Takes a lot of the uh, the decision out of your hands. I will actually do that right after we wrap the show. But yeah, for those of you who wanted me to review this game, thank you because I actually enjoyed this game a lot. I'm going to continue to play it. It's definitely one of those games that's going to end up in the player rotation. I would love to. to I don't think it'd be too hard to finish this game. But like I said, it's it's just one of those games that doesn't have like a save feature, and I don't have hours and hours to sit trying to finish a game. 
Um, and I would still, even if it was a, a password system, I'd still take that over having nothing. And that's one thing that kind of dings this game is they don't give you a way to kind of save your progress. That's the thing with going back and playing those old games and not having that ability. Yeah. You realize how much it sucks. Uh, let's see. It says the current speed run record is held by the player Tarbash, who completed the NES version of the game in 15 minutes, 28 seconds on October 8th, 2018. That's wild. Speed runs impress the heck out of me. I know. I love what like that. I can go down a rabbit hole of watching speed runs. No, same. I remember watching a, I think it was a Mega Man. It wasn't Mega Man X, but it was one of the sequels. I watched a speed run at a convention I went to. This was years ago. And it was just insane. Because I'm like, I don't think I could even do that with like Mario World or Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> I've tried to do a speed run on a couple different things. Like, I can do pretty well on the original Super Mario Brothers, but once you get up to, to World 8, that's when it kind of starts to get hairy. Funny enough, I've actually never beat the original Mario Brothers. Really? Mm-hmm. That's weird. Like, I thought everybody beat that game. No, I've beat I've beat all the sequels to it. Well, I mean, except for Lost Levels, but like Mario Brothers 2, 3, Mario World, I've beaten all of those. But Yeah, I remember never me, never done the original. Me and my mom could beat Super Mario Brothers 2 like nothing. It was, that was like, we yeah. had it on just lockdown. <laughs> we, we could beat that game in one sitting, like just trading the controller back and forth. Well, especially if you know the warp points. Oh, yeah. I still love that game so much. I, I hate that that game gets so much hate. I don't think it gets so much hate anymore, but God, that's such a good game. It is. It really is. But, uh, but that's my review for Ashton Axe this week. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it a lot. And like I, like I was saying my last review, I wanted to play something that I actually enjoyed. And I enjoyed this a lot. No, that's awesome. And it was a good idea for you to go to the Patreon to you know, ask for suggestions. And speaking of Patreon, we have a new Patreon supporter uh, as of this last, bleep, last week. Uh, Xblade, oh, 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 what was the name? <laughs> Xblade, oh, what? Oh, seven. Oh, seven. Yeah, Xblade, oh, seven. So thank, uh, thank you and welcome to the Patreon. And um, so follow Absolutely. in Xblade, oh, seven's footsteps and head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and help us get back to that $50 a month level. That way we can give you guys that extra episode every month of where we do uh, either a commentary track or we review old movies or old TV shows, that sort of thing. We'll do that every month, extra episode every month for you guys if you get us back up to that $50 level. So please head on over. And it only takes like, if it took 50 of you, a dollar a month, we would get back to that level. So if you enjoy the show and you want us to review more stuff, go do that. It's, it's a buck. That's that's cheaper than a, a pack of a pack of Wrigley's spearmint gum a month. No, that's you're absolutely right. And thank you, Axe Blade, for your contributions. So Derek, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get out of here this evening? Um, I mean, if you want to check out past episodes of the Derek Diamond Experience, uh, I am on summer break, but you can check out 200 plus episodes in the, I guess, discography of the podcast. You can go to 
uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Just search for the Derek Diamond Experience. You can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. And I'll probably have more details on next week's show, but I have been asked uh, to speak here in town at a lunch and learn panel about podcasting. Oh, that's cool. So I'll have um, hopefully have all the details for next week. It's not till towards the end of June. So I'm hoping by the time we do next week's show, I'll have more information that I can share with everyone. Fantastic. Uh, and you can also follow me everywhere at JFunktastic uh, over on Instagram, Twitter. I'm getting a lot more active on uh, in- Instagram lately. So if you want to follow me over there. And also, um, I talked to another director the other day about being part of a film for the 48-hour film festival this year in New Orleans. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be a part of that this year. I will have a, uh, I'll be acting in a film for the 48-hour film festival. So I will keep you guys updated on that. So if you're interested in going to the 48-hour film festival when all the films are going to be shown, I will I will be posting out all that information. I think that actually happens Sometime in July or August, uh, the actual event itself. So that's going to be awesome. Nice. No, that's really cool. And it's kind of scary, too, because you only have 48 hours to actually write the script, film it, and edit it. So it's uh, we're going to be filming on Saturday, I think June 28th or 29th, whatever that Saturday is. I get the script that night <laughs> before we film, learn it, and then go film the next day. Wow! So that's gonna. I mean, be... I've heard about those. I've heard about the forty-eight hour uh, film festivals, and it just sounds when you think of everything you have to do to prep for a film. Mm-hmm. I'd be very curious to you know pick your brain about the steps that you have to go through once you're done with it. Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to be uh, learning a lot by doing this. So that's that's one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to do it. Is I was like, I want to see how this is done. No, for sure, because it, it sounds like a ginormous undertaking. Oh, yeah, because the, the but, people I'm working with, they've actually done it a few years in a row now, so they definitely have their their technique down, and I'm very interested to, to be a part of that. No, that's exciting stuff. So it's going to be cool. I'll keep you guys updated whenever the, the time comes. So that's about it for me. What do you say, Derek? What do you say we get out of here? Let's do it. Let me pull up our music. If I can get it to play, there we go. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're, of course, on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And like I said earlier, at Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where you can throw us a buck a month and we will give you extra episodes. And if you can't do that, if you don't have a buck to throw at us, leave us a review wherever you listen to the show, whatever podcatcher of your choice. Go leave us a review. So, Derek, I think it's ready to go. So tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Yes. Monkey. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow-up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.